0: Great job guys, you made me think of one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Romans chapter 8, and in verse 10, there's a verse I've thought of a lot, it says, and if him (coughs) who raised Jesus' body from the dead is living in you, he can give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. We have Jesus in us, that resurrection power that raised him from the dead. The scriptures tell us that same power is what we have. It was given to us when we trusted Jesus to come and to live and forgive us, live inside of us. It's just, you know, that resurrection power, and we need to remember that. So often we, I think we kind of forget the power available to us, and we don't live in that power. I have an announcement I, w- I want to make real quick. Um, March is coming quickly. We have some sign-up lists out there for our K groups, uh, homes where they'll meet, and the facilitator, and what we'll be studying, and the time. And so encourage everybody in church um, this week and next week to sign up for a group and to be a part of that. be an exciting time, I believe, for all of us because, as we've mentioned, it just gives us a different way to share community with each other. Uh, so often, it seems like when we come to church, we come to get information. Well, you know, How can I live a Christian life? How, how can I be a better Christian? And, and how can I do this better for God? But the purpose of these groups is not just information, but the hope is transformation. That God will allow us to get know each other and to get to know him better with hopes that we'll learn to be able to open up to people in our home groups and to be able to be real man sometimes we just come to church and oh i want to you know here's something that'll really pump me up you know today but what we really need is that god will do something in us that we are not the same and that he'll do that kind of work in us. So I encourage you to sign up. She's out there. Ch- check that out. Pray about that. Man, I would love to see everybody in the church be a part of one of those groups. I think it'll be a great opportunity for us to get to know each other better and uh, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Well, this morning um, we are in the book of Joshua, chapter twenty-four. And I want to read a, a single verse. We're going to be going through the first 16 verses. And I'm going to mention a verse in the previous chapter. But encourage you to stand in our great God's honor. <coughs> as I just read verse 1 of chapter 24. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel And they presented themselves before God. Let's pray. Here we are again, God. We're not here to play church. We want to be the church. And to be the church, we need to see God. And so this point, Lord, we've wanted to get our hearts in that place to see you. And I pray that as the service continues, Lord, that you might speak, um, not just for information, but for transformation to make us more like Christ. And so, God, um, we just invite you, we invite the Holy Spirit to minister to us because that's the only way transformation can happen. And so you're welcome here, God. And may we make you feel welcome. Lord, um, do something among us. Because we, are, we need it. <laughs> In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, well, I'm speaking to everybody, but this is more focused on the guys today. As we've been looking at the family, uh, we find Joshua, he brings a bunch of guys together, and he, he gives them a challenge, gives them a charge in chapter 23 as he brings the guys together. And then in chapter 24, um, he, sp- he speaks to them and he gives them a commissioning. All right, I've laid out what's before us. Now, what are you guys going to do? And that's what we see in chapters 23 and 24. And quite honestly, we live in a strange day. A day I never thought I would see, where people seem confused of what I always took for granted. What is a man? What is a woman? Quite honestly, when I was young, I don't know if I really asked those questions even. It was just, what can I say? But now it is not so easy. And masculinity is under attack. Um, It's often called toxic masculinity Um, when guys show forth masculine traits that, and I, I didn't know there was a choice. You know, I, j- I just thought that was part of who I, who I you know, who I am. And, and now, you know, I love the James Bond franchise, and I've seen quite a few of those James Bond franch- You know, they just passed the baton off to a woman to take over for, for James Bond, and I don't know if that's actually what's going to happen, but, you know, that was the appearance in the movie. And when I think of James Bond, I think... Man, that's just the guy, right? And I can't really see that being passed on to the gal. But then when I look on TV, it seems like me of the action films, you got these hundred-pound women whew, that are five foot two, and they go up to the guy who's, you know, six four, two hundred ninety pounds of uh, rippling muscles, and and man, they're solid. And she just kind of looks up at him like, you know, make my day. It's still somebody else's line, you know. And I remember. Uh, Bruce, you know, who's retired from the FBI, he told me one time. He said, "You know, I see these movies, and you know, I've trained a lot of guys in the FBI." And he says, "There is no hundred-pound woman taking me down." You know, but that's the age that we live in. You know, if 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 you want to be, if you're a man, you want to be a woman, you can. If you're a woman, you want to be a man, you can. And God has, man, He's got a design. (laughs) He. He's got a design that is out there, and, and you know there's a lot of confusion. What's a what's a man? What's a real man? Uh, there's a story of a guy walked into a bar in Broken Bow, Nebraska. Never been there, but evidently it's got a bar. in a small place, and um, the guy comes in there and he orders breakfast. They have food there too, and uh, you know he gets his eggs and his bacon, and uh, I don't think they have grits in Nebraska. But anyway, he got some good country food there for breakfast. And uh, these three hell's angels walk in, and they walk over to this guy. You know, he's only about five, six, 115 pounds, so he's not a threat to these big bikers. The guy walks over to him and he says, what are you looking at? And same thing. The guy grabs his egg. One of the bikers grabs his eggs in his hands and just... Rip down to his lap. Then he, he takes the guy's coffee and he, he spills it in his lap. and He says, you're not much of a man. If you were a man, you'd do something. The guy calmly says, excuse me. He gets up, He goes to the cash register, he pays for his food, and he walks out the door. And the bikers turned the she said. Boy what a pitiful example. Of a man. He's not much of a man. And she said. "Well, he's not much of a truck driver either. He just ran over three motorcycles. In the <laughs> parking lot. <laughs> Maybe more of a man than they realized. So you know. What is a guy? I just thought of a couple of things that always strikes me, it's, it's not just the guy who's got the big muscles, you know, like the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and, you know. So funny, I saw where um, the quarterback of the Bengals said, you know, I, I don't really know what he was doing out on the field. I don't think he was playing for one of the teams. <laughs> you know, he was, he, 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 but he was out there. And uh, But, you know, what a big specimen of a man. But their strength that is displayed in other ways a man's strength is displayed in the way that he provides for the family members he loves. He wants to make sure their needs are t- needs are taken care of, and so he does what he has to do to make sure those needs are taken care of. That's how he shows his strength by being strong for his wife and his kids. That's just innate. It's just in a guy. Second thing he does, which is natural, I believe, is to protect. His family if he thinks they are in danger he naturally gets angry and he wants to do whatever he has to do to make sure they're safe and, and there's a lot there's a lot of confusion what what is a man what what is masculinity what what is strength and of course there's no better example of this than the Lord Jesus Christ and i this is from a commentary one commentator here's what he wrote about Christ as a man <coughs> He was kind, he was gentle, he was sweet. On the other hand, he could repute hypocrites and overturn tables in the temple. He would say to a woman called in adultery, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. But to the Pharisees, you whitewashed walls, you bunch of slimy snakes. You didn't want to mess with Jesus. Strong love, real masculine. Now we go back before Jesus, of course, walked and ministered among the earth, and we're back in the days of Joshua. You know, he was the guy that followed Moses, and the baton was handed off to Joshua. And as we come to chapters twenty-three and twenty-four, um, well, let me just read verse one of chapter twenty-three to you guys. <clears throat> Things don't cooperate. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then old and well advanced in years. It's a nice way of saying he's old as dirt. Some had all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am old and well advanced in years. Joshua... Gathers the guys around, and he gives them a charge. He gives them a challenge. He says, guys, before us is the promised land that God has said, this is yours. But you have to step out in faith. You have to march toward that promised land, and you have to make sure that it's yours. You do have a responsibility. You've got to be men. You've got to be strong men. You've you got to move out in faith. And we live in a culture now, man, there is a desperate need for strong men. The reason we're in so many of our misses is that men are not stepping up. They're being beat down. They're being pushed down instead of strong men in their families. I'm not not just talking about on every level, but there's just such a need for that. And you know, I I think back to D.L. Moody, the evangelist, and um, when he first got on fire for God and started, you know, being used and all that stuff, he heard a guy say, "The world has yet to see a man who is one hundred percent, completely sold out to God," and man, he could not rest. He started thinking about that. It stayed up on his mind. And finally broke and he said, God, I'm not even sure what that means, but I want to be that man. And you know, I say that humbly as I think about such a challenge. I mean, we come and we hear sermons and we get the information. I'm to be a good husband. I'm to be a good dad. I'm to be a, a good worker employee or employer and we don't even know what that means and certainly none of us are perfect at that and for me to say I am God's man completely sold out and I'm your pastor and you believe it there's a good Greek word for that hogwash why because I am broken we are all broken we are all sinners and God gives us a challenge but the truth of the matter is we are not in heaven yet which means we're still broken And so what do we have to do each morning? We don't come and say, well, we got it together, world. Just follow me, and you'll have it together. No, that's not what we say. What we do is we say, God, I come this morning, and I surrender. What does it mean to be a strong man? Surrender to God. I don't have a notebook for that, okay? I can't give you six points that will tell you exactly what that looks like. But it is up to each one of us, guys. It's up to me, it's up to you to get up each morning and say, Lord, I don't know what will happen today. I don't know everything. But what I do know is I'm here and I surrender. Hey, that's what is needed. And here's this guy, he's seen it all. He's 100 years old or more, you know, that well-advanced in years. That is kind of a nice way to put it. I just turned 59, um, oh, February 2nd. Sh- I share my birthday with the groundhogs, you know. And so anyway, I can remember, think, this first time it ever really made me think. Man, 60's around the corner, that sounds old. I, I, I think every other year, I never really thought about it. There was something about 60, I'll just be honest with you. And I asked Cindy about my wife and she said, oh, honey, that's the young side of old. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that, but okay. And, you know, all I can say is Joshua's the old side of old, okay? He's, he's, nearing, he's nearing the end there. In chapter 23, he gathers the guys together. He, he, he gives them that charge. He gives them that challenge. God has brought us this far. God will take us all the way. Guys, I need you to surrender, to get up each day and surrender yourself and you to him and be prepared to go out and to claim what God has already given. Now, what does that involve? Well, as we get in our text in chapter 24, verse 1, the first thing we've got to do is present ourselves to God humbly and honestly. We've got to come honest. Uh, look at the verse again. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel... For their heads, for their judges, for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. In other words, they came ready to be used by God. He said, God, here I am. I want to be commissioned. I want to be your servant. I want to be useful. And that means I don't need to try to hide my sin. And I don't need to try to pretend to be somebody that I'm not. But I come before you open, oh God. And it's, it's significant where they meet. They meet at Shechem. That would be like an American um, meeting in Gettysburg or in Washington, D.C. or Plymouth Rock or you know someplace that has historical significance to the founding of our country. Well, Shechem was such a place for Israel... It was there that the first covenant God ever made with Abraham happened. It was at Shechem. It was there that the bones of Joseph were transported from Egypt. They were transported to Shechem, the place of his fathers. It was at Shechem that the covenant of God was reaffirmed among God's people in chapter 8 of the book of Joshua. And it was in Shechem where the holy tent was set up, and people would come because they wanted to be near the presence of God. What about you? Um, if you're a believer in Christ, you got a Shechem. <laughs> well, where's your Shechem? My Shechem, uh, one of the places my Shechem was a Christian camp I went to as a teenager, and on that bus trip home, I gave my heart to Christ. I said, I need you to be my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. And so that was a Shechem for me. Another shechem was when I felt God made it clear that I was to do this, preach and teach the scriptures and to love God's people. Um, That was a shechem. Maybe for you it's a Christian camp. Maybe for you it's a church where you gave your heart to Christ. Maybe for you it's a place where you prayed and God just showed up and and did a mighty movement in your life. Um, I I talked to a guy a couple of weeks ago um, that had come here years ago. I hadn't seen him in forever, and anyway, I uh, talked to him, and he said, man, I went through some bad health issues, Uh, this guy was a truck driver, and um, he had some seizures, and he had to quit driving the truck, and he was having trouble getting help, and he ended up homeless, he didn't know what to do, and he met this um, lady pastor in town who had a, a burden for the homeless. And so the two of them got together and said, well, let's see what we can do. And so they went around and started talking to homeless people. First day they had three show up. They fed those three, let the three have a shower, tried to build relationships. He said, Todd, God has changed It's through the answered prayers. He said, now, twice a week, there are 35 homeless people that come to our little church, our little mission, and and they get a shower, they get something to eat. If they have drug problems, we know where to refer them so they can, you know, get help, get detoxed, whatever it is they need. And I've seen so many answered prayers. I can no longer deny God. No more of this just sitting in a pew, you know. God's changed me. That's that's this guy's Shechem. Where's your Shechem? Do you have a Shechem? Do you have a holy place with God? Um, You see, a a real man is somebody who is willing to say, lay it on me, God. (laughs) Let me see what I really look like. You know, Scott did a great job in his final teaching um, this morning to prepare us for the K groups. And uh, it It was good to listen to him. And and he said, Guys, uh," he said, Let me give you a good question to everybody here that that will hit home. It's a tough question. He says, Go home and ask your wife, What kind of husband am I really? Tell me. What kind of dad am I really? Tell me. You know, those hard hitting questions of being vulnerable and saying, What am I really like? Well, this is what is in this challenge that is being presented here before God. They're willing to say, what am I really like? Here's a couple of verses. Um, of course, we know Romans 12, 1, where Paul says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. You know the importance of that. Well, guys, do you have anybody that you can go to and really be honest? Questions um, like, like this. Is there anybody in your life that ask you probing questions, questions about why you do what you do, how you're really doing at home, what you're entertaining yourself with, what your heart really beats toward. You see, Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Psalm 26 six two, examine me, O Lord, improve me, try me in my heart. That's beautiful. Of course, Psalm 139 in Search me, O God, and know me. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting. In other words, God, I give you permission to be honest with me. We waste too much time pretending to be somebody we're not and trying to fool everybody else that's around us. And it doesn't transform our lives. It leaves us in that same depressing state. And I stand with you guys. Look. I want to grow. I've been doing this for what I think's a long time now. I hope it's a lot longer. I and mean, God can be finished with me any moment, you know. I, I watched a video the other day on YouTube where a guy, he, he preached a sermon and he dropped dead right after the sermon. I don't know how long I got, but I want to surrender. And I pray that's your heart too. Um to surrender to be honest. All right, number 2. Um to peruse your spiritual history, your spiritual journey. I'm going to read just a couple of verses here. It's already 12 o'clock. Bear with me. Okay? <laughs> Hopefully you won't be like this one teacher I had in college that said, Todd, let me give you some wise spiritual advice. Before 12 o'clock, you can preach the hell out of people, but after 12, you start preaching the hell back into them. So you guys have always been gracious with me there, and I haven't had that issue, but uh, I'm just trying to prepare the way in case. no right, I'm going to read just a couple of these verses of time's sake here. <laughs> I won't read them all. Starting at verse 2, it says, Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. Okay, uh, the point is, as he goes down through this, he is reminding the people what God has done for Israel. You know, here he, he, he's reminding them how God had moved and given a promise to Abraham and blessed Abraham. They ended up in Egypt. and Of course, we know that God called Joseph and through, you know, this amazing work of God, Joseph from a slave to the high in command in Egypt and the people were saved from starving to death and God came through and and then he goes on and he he talks about how the uh Egyptians afflicted them and, and and then he says that uh they were set free and and I love this as you come to the end of verse 7 he says then you lived in the wilderness for a long time you know 40 years long time they struggled and they suffered and then in verse 8, he talks about how they were given victory over a whole army of ites. You know, y- you guys remember the Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites, and we always say termites, you know. just as a, But God enabled victory over all of them. And, and then he talks about that in verses 12 and 13. I want to just read 13 to you because I think it's, it is important. He says, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil in cities you did not build. <laughs> and you live in them and eat from the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. So what's the point here? Guys, we have promises that are given to us that we did not earn. We have a God who died for us. We have a God who allows us to live for Him. We have a God who is faithful when we are not. We have a God who is there for us when we're absent from Him. We have a God who blesses us and we do not deserve it. You got it? and and that's what he's saying here you don't deserve this land you're about to go into you didn't do anything to make this land a choice wonderful land God said thank me because I'm the reason for that so what is he doing through all of this text guys he is talking about the spiritual journey he is talking about the faithfulness of God he is discussing the fact that God has been faithful that you can trust where you're going when you look back to where you've been and how God has gotten you through it all That's what he's saying. That's what he's doing in this. As a matter of fact, he uses hindsight to produce insight. He uses hindsight to produce insight. He's saying we can look forward as we look back because God is faithful. You see, the past can weigh you down. It doesn't have to weigh you down. It doesn't have to be an anchor. It can be a sail. When you see God in your past, you see how God's moved you through. We can get stuck in things of the past, but we don't have to stay there. His grace and His forgiveness is available now. That's what the text tells us. That's what our God has to say. It doesn't have to be a weight. It can be a wing. It can sell us into God's best. I love Isaiah 51, uh, the first verse. He says, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Remember your God. Remember that he's made you, he's crafted you, and he will rescue you. Remember him. Now, I I say this, I know I'm on borrowed time already, guys, but uh, what does that mean for us, um, personal testimony? We need to look back, what were you like before you met Jesus? Jesus. We forget so quickly, and yet we're called to go to a world that doesn't know Jesus. So maybe we need to do some remembering. Because what happens when we forget, we just say, well, I'm better than you, that's your problem. We need to remember, man, we were like that before because we did not know the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God. And, and so we need to remember what we were like before. We need to, and, and then be able to share how we met Jesus. And then to be able to share not just what he's done in the past, but what he's doing now. Just like I shared with this guy when he said, God has changed me. Man, I love to hear that stuff. I've had enough information. I mean, what I can remember, I, what do I do with it? Transformation. Changed hearts and lives. So that leads us to this last point. Boy, I'm glad you finally got here, preacher. Verses 14 and 15. The choice. We all have a choice. And we are a summation of the choices we've made to a great degree. The choices we've made, that's why we're where we're at. Uh, Listen to the verses. He says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. It's your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve with the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As he speaks to these people, um, they're publicly presenting themselves before God and there's only two choices. There's not 15 choices to be made here. But there's two. And basically, he's, he's, he's told them, man, he's given them this challenge. He says, look how great our God is. Look what he's done. And look what he's going to do. Consecrate yourselves to him. And basically saying, when we look at the evidence of who God has been in the past, how can we not go forward with the choice to follow him? To obey him. To surrender to him. It's just a logical result. Man, it... You know, it, it's not enough to come and to hear a sermon and to say, "Well, that was a great sermon, man. I love that sermon," or you know, I might even give it a five or a six out of ten. You know, one of the best ones I've heard lately. So what? What we need is to be like Jesus. So, matter of fact, look how how, how the text starts here in um, Joshua twenty four and in um man I thought this print was plenty big enough but here I am <clears throat> he says in the text to to uh serve the Lord and he says now serve him so the point of the Matter is that little word now. Man, that's the purpose of all this stuff. You know what? When you hear a sermon, whether it's a podcast, or you hear it on radio, or you read it in a book, or you watch it on TV, you know, whatever, a word from God, the point is not the information, the point is the transformation, the point is now what? You see, every sermon you hear, you ought to leave and you ought to say, Lord, now what? Every time you hear from God, it's not enough just to say, thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. Now what? I don't care where you hear it. You might be in your car listening to the radio. It might be a podcast. It might be in church at a sermon. But when God speaks to you, it might be while you're praying, but when God speaks to you, it's not enough just to say, thank you, Lord, I'll catalog that somewhere. You have to say, now what? Now what, Lord? And, and here it is. Here's the choices. As, as he's sitting there with the two choices, now what? Will you serve the Lord, or are you not going to serve the Lord? Is this just going to be another sermon, or are you going to be a real man? Are you going to be strong in the Lord, or are you just going to walk out of here and nothing change? He says in our text, to fear. To fear the Lord. That's, that's the point. Um, in choosing who you will follow, who you will serve. It says in um, Proverbs 29, 25, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Man, it's not enough to please everybody but the Lord. We've got to please the Lord. We've got to serve Him. Second, um, not only does it have to be a personal choice, it has to be a total choice. He tells them to put away the gods of <coughs> their fathers, the idols that they followed. And that translates to us, man, we got to stop being like the world. We got to stop being like the latest reality TV show personality, you know, whoever that is. Guys, we got to be marked by Jesus Christ. He is the one that we're to be like. And so this is not just a partial commitment, man. This is just a surrender. (laughs) It is to say, God, change me for your glory. And he says, as for me and my house, serve the Lord. The principle is that our relationship with God must spill over into every area and every relationship of our lives. And it should impact other people's lives. Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China, he, he had said, you know, may your father and your mother be changed by your faith. Um, but, I, you know, I would say uh, if your father, your mother, your sister, your dog, your cat, your guinea pig, your gerbil, uh, pet snake, whatever, isn't happy ever for you being a Christian, <laughs> uh, are you a Christian? Man, if your life is not making a difference, what difference does it make? Do people see Christ? Do people see somebody who's real, who's genuine, who's, who's doing this thing called life trust in trusting Christ? And I just get back to the family here. I'm going to worry time, so forget it. Um, if you get, look, so many of the things that matter, we talk about quality time. I've heard that stuff, quality time. I'm not against quality time. Man, any time we can spend with the people we love, that's a bonus. That's great time. But what I've found is that many of those moments that are so special, they're not scripted. So, you know, I can plan them out, I can put them on a calendar, I can put them on an appointment, but they're not scripted. Many times, the hugs and the laughs and, and just those meaningful moments, the tears of things that we share together, I didn't plan for that to happen. But it happened. Why? Because out of God's mercy I was there we need to be there we need to be there when we can for one another it's not enough just to plan out some little blocks of quality time we got to always be seeking the Lord and we got to be available when we're needed so, all right let me close with Deuteronomy chapter 6 uh, many of you guys are familiar with these verses but they're just so powerful and uh, talking about the kind of people we're to be. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded you to teach, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord to keep all his statutes, his commandments, which I command you, and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the, God, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. We're to surrender. God, I'm not much, but I'm yours. Uh, you know, When we have a baby dedication, you think the baby has really thought this out? I'm going to be the best Christian i can ever be. Google, go Google. Google right? No way. Who's really being dedicated? Parents, right? The parents are saying, I'm going to be who you need me to be. I won't be there for you. It's still the call. still the call. There's people that need us. There's people that need you. Yeah, your family needs you, okay? But not just your family. There are people all around you. that They need you. Will you dedicate yourself? Will you be honest before God? Remember what he's done. He'll take you ahead. Tomorrow, he'll, he'll take care of you. Just be careful that You don't spend so much time chasing your dreams that you miss his heart. May God line up our dreams in his heart because those are the only dreams that in the end come true. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for an old guy like Joshua, Lord, who is able to look back and say, God's been good to me. To all of us, and we can go forward knowing He's still good. Father, I, I say that for Kingsway today, um, whether here in person or listening. Um, surrender to a God who loves you and wants the best, has given promises that are true and we can rest in and trust in, and a God who not only died but is resurrected alive um, God empower us to be the people we need to be uh, guys strong men and ladies um, strong in the Lord Father that we would all follow and so God as, as we take some time to respond with an altar that's open do your work Lord um, Father we need you we're not there but we know you'll take us by the hand and help us move that direction Christ's name we pray.